You are listening to Meet the Thriller Author, the podcast where I interview writers of mysteries, thrillers, and suspense books. I am your host, Alan Peterson, and this is episode number 53. For this episode, I'm going to be interviewing Alexandra Amor, who is an award-winning mystery author. And Alexandra also has her own podcast called It's a Mystery Podcast, where she interviews authors. And I was one of her guests in a recent episode. So afterwards, I asked her if she'd be a guest on my podcast, and she said yes. I'll be bringing that interview to you here shortly. Before doing that, I'd like to ask for your support for one of our uh, former guests. Uh, John Heinmarsh was on episode number 42, and he writes uh, sci-fi thrillers, techno-thrillers. And his latest book, The Darwin Project, is up on Kindle Scout. You can go to www.thrillingreads.com forward slash Darwin, and that will take you to his Kindle Scout page. And you can look at his, he's got a beautiful cover. You can go look at the cover there and read the first few pages, and then click on the Nominate Me uh, uh, button there. Uh, John is uh, part of my local uh, Northern California meetup group for writers, so I know him in real life. And if you're not familiar with Kindle Scout, the way it works, it's uh, it's an Amazon company, and it's a reader-powered publishing for new, never-before-published books. So it's a place where readers help decide if a book gets published. And so it's open for votes right now as of the recording of this podcast. Um, I think you have about 20-some days left. Once the uh, voting is ends, uh, the votes are counted, and those with the most votes, uh, those books get forwarded on to Kindle Press, which is an Amazon publishing house, and then their editors go through their process and decide whether or not to publish the book. Um, so it's a great way to uh, get his book attention from the uh, Kindle Press uh, editors, and if they do select his book for publishing, you will get a free copy directly from Amazon, so that's a pretty sweet deal. So, go to uh, thrillingreads.com forward slash Darwin. Really would appreciate your support uh, for John. Alright, so this is, let's get on to episode number 53, my interview with Alexandra Amor. Hi, everybody. This is Alan with uh, Meet the Thriller Author. And for uh, this episode, I'm uh, interviewing uh, Alexandra Moore, and I have her on Skype. How are you doing, Alexandra? Very well. Thanks, Alan. How are you? I am doing good. Uh, kind of the the, sh- the shoe on the other foot now, because you interviewed me a, f- a couple of weeks ago for your podcast. <laughs> That's right. Yes, exactly. So we've switched roles today. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, please? Certainly, yeah. So uh, I'm an independently published author, and uh, my first book was actually way out of the thriller and mystery genre. It was a memoir about 10 years I spent in a cult in the 1990s. And right now I'm working on a mystery series. It's a historical mystery series set in British Columbia, and it centers around a small town called Horse, fictional town, I should say. And the uh, the protagonist is a young woman, a school teacher named Julia Tom, who has landed in that little town and uh, runs into all kinds of mysteries she needs to solve. Oh, that sounds fascinating. So I was very interested in the in the historical uh, um, aspect of your of your mysteries. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? I mean, is there like is there actual like a lot of history then that you have to do research for, or how does that work out with the history component? Yeah, it, the history component certainly does add a layer of complexity, um, you know, compared to writing in, in the present day. And I specifically wanted to set it right at the end of the 19th century like that. I wanted to set it after the railroad had connected Canada from end to end, which happened in 1885, but before cars and telephones. So that's why I chose 1890. And yeah, and I've done... Um, 
research I've gone there's a museum and archives in a small town there in the central Okanagan which is the area that the books is set in and the, the real town is called Vernon and so I've spent time at the museum and archives there uh, learning about what it was like they have newspapers going back right to the late 1880s it might even be the mid 1880s and it's, it's fascinating really to to learn about how people lived and um, you know it, it just makes me reflect on how easy our lives are right now and how how really challenging everything was basically for the entire history of humanity until like the last 60 or 70 years yeah it's a, yeah that would be amazing and then i was also thinking now uh, with i was thinking of the challenges of writing something set in 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 you know in the, in the 19th century did you find that also challenging to not, like, say, he, you know, they picked up the mobile phone or they sent an email, <laughs> like, the other way? I, I think both things would be challenging. Yes, yeah, exactly. And it, it is tricky, I have to say, uh, and not so much with technology because um, – that that sort of front of my mind but you know what's really challenging is expressions and um idioms and that kind of thing so i'm trying to think of one right now something like um you know somebody's um their wheels were spinning or that's not a good example but you know their pistons weren't firing well then you think well i can't use that because the you know engines had barely started to exist and so and more modern expressions as well. Just the way that we speak now is a little bit different than people spoke back then. Um, and readers will even pick up on that. And I've had a couple of complaints about how the language is a little bit modern. Um, so it's something I have to work really hard at. And it's, yeah, it's definitely not a not easy. It's a bit of a challenge. And readers, so you, you mentioned the readers, uh, so they're pretty um, vocal when you don't get the little things right or something. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, they'll mention it in the reviews, you know, and and point out um, little mistakes, which I actually appreciate Mm -hmm. because it helps me to learn. But uh, yeah, I have had several bits of feedback about that. (laughs) So I'm learning. And so now the cozy mystery. uh, Can you tell us a little bit about that that genre? Yeah, the genre is really, um, it sort of harkens back to the Agatha Christie days, and they're usually set in a very small community, and uh, kind of an enclosed community, and in this case it's a small town. Um, There are usually a number of uh, recurring characters that, you know, that pop up in the town, and then um, the the murder itself always happens off Stage. So the the protagonist, the sleuth, will find the the dead body, but um, there's never really any violence, you know, on the page. Uh, the person is just dead, and then the the sleuth is often an amateur. Sometimes they're a police officer or a private detective, like we think of Hercule Poirot. He's a good example. He was a detective, but Miss Marple wasn't, and she's kind of the quintessential cozy mystery protagonist just kind of nosy and a busybody and um and i don't do write my mysteries this way but very often they can be centered around there's a lot of books that are centered around crafts so knitting shops that kind of thing and um and also food there's a lot of uh, food related cozy mysteries as well yeah it's a fascinating genre i've seen that even there's like cat sleuths (laughs) yep exactly (laughs) animals yeah. yeah Yeah, that's pretty cool. And so, what's your, the the sleuth in your books? Uh, what's what's uh, what's their background? 
so her name is Julia, and she was raised by a judge uh, closer to the coast in British Columbia. And she's really smart, and she was an only child and really connected to her dad. He was kind of the center of her world. And so because he was a judge, she grew up um, assuming that she would be able to go to law school and to kind of follow in his footsteps. And then very late in her teens, well, actually on into her 20s, it, it, was, it sort of became rudely apparent to her that she couldn't women weren't allowed in law school in Canada at that time and so she's had a bit of a fracture in her family and she had a bit of a knee-jerk reaction to this she feels very betrayed by her father because he won't support her desire to go to law school so that's how she ends up in this tiny little town she applies for a job as the school teacher and gets it I think kind of to her surprise and then um, begins to meet people and make friendships and find her way in the world uh, in that place and meanwhile uh, solving lots of crimes. (laughs) How many books do you have in that series so far? There are two so far, and I'm working on the third one. Uh, The first one is a prequel, and it's actually available for free on my website. And then the first full-length novel is also free, and it's available at all the online retailers. It's called Horse With No Name. Hmm. Oh, so I say, like, your website is alexandraamore.com so people want to that, go check yeah. that out and get, some, get, get introduced to your writing for free that's awesome yeah yeah it's yeah. a good way to get people introduced to the series yeah. and I was noticed on your website you also write uh, rom- romantic mysteries so what's is it, what's the challenge between those two and the differences yeah, I've only written one of those, and I really enjoyed it. And it's it's set in the modern day, so or the present time, so a lot less challenging in terms of mm-hmm. uh, writing in a historical period. And I just wanted to see what I could do in terms of writing a mystery and at the same time having a little bit of a love story go on. And the thing about a, a romantic mystery, as it were, is that there has to be a, a happily ever after at the end. So, the, you know, the couple has to come together. Um, so that one will be a series, I think, that will be set in the same location, but each book will have a different central character and there will be a love story involved. And the first one's called Love and Death at the Inn, and it's set in also on the west coast of British Columbia uh, on a small island, and the main character is a woman who's running an inn that she inherited from her parents. Hmm. So when you write, um, do you do you like focus on one series at a time, or do you like jump jump around writing two at the same time? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great question. I I don't jump around. No, I, I do tend to focus. Um, I think what I would like to do now is get three or four more books written in the horse series and really get some momentum building with that, and then I might then I might be able to go back and forth and do one in one series and one in the other. But we'll just have to see how it goes. Yeah, I'm very impressed with you. With your, You, you write in several different genres, too. You write for kids, right? It looks like... Uh, yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah. Wow. And so is that... Uh, how does... Uh, which one's your, your, your preferred, or you, you can't choose one? <laughs> Putting you on the spot. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I can't choose one. The, the children's books really came from a very heartfelt place when I was first starting to write fiction. And as so many authors are, I was a big reader when I was a kid. And lots of my favorite books had animal characters, you know, Charlotte's Web and that kind of thing, Stuart Little. Um, and so I wanted to write a series with animals as the main characters so it's the sugar and clive 
series of books. There's four novels, for, and they're for middle grade readers, so sort of the nine to twelve year old age group. And the main character is a dog named Sugar, and her best friend is a barn swallow named Clive. Uh, yeah, I love, love the yeah, on the on your website. I'm looking at that picture. It's a really good uh, drawing of them of them too. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? My friend Tony, who lives in Seattle, did that, and he just captured them so beautifully. Wow, that's, that's amazing, those uh, artistic talents of, of those people that can do that. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. yeah. So um, so whether you're writing historical uh, historical cozy mysteries or romantic mysteries, I, I mean, the, the, the mystery component is there. Is that a genre that you liked to read before you started to write, uh, decided to write uh, fiction? Yeah, absolutely. It's almost the only genre I read. I do like to read memoirs and self-help books a little bit, and I really read the occasional literary fiction, um, but definitely I'm like 90% mystery novels. And the funny thing is, though, I don't read that many cozies. Um, I tend to like police procedurals and uh, more like sort of private investigator, like the Lawrence Block's Matt Scudder series, that kind of thing. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. So... Uh, so I don't, I'm not quite sure what, how I wound up writing cozy historical mysteries, but that's just kind of what uh, what came out at the time. <laughs> and so you said you did a lot of you do a lot of research. You actually go to the uh, to the actual uh, library, the local library there. Um, so when you're getting your story prepared, uh, do you like have a outline uh, ready, or do you just sort of like gather information and then you start to write, or how's your what's your process? It's a bit of both, yeah. I would say that I, I often find inspiration in, in a local story that I've read. Uh, I have books about the, that area and the, and the time period as well. And so some little nugget of information will kind of spark an idea in me. And then I'll start writing an outline. For sure, I'm an outliner, not a pantser. And, um, in fact, have a spreadsheet and have each chapter kind of outlined in the spreadsheet so I know where I'm going uh, when I begin each chapter and um, very often the story does change though I mean it it never is the way that I think it's going to quite be and the last couple of times I've written a book uh, a mystery novel uh, the the bad guy actually turned out to be someone different than I had originally decided it, he would be. So that was really interesting when I got to right to the very end of the book and thought, oh, geez, it's not that guy, it's this other guy. So that was really cool. And I figured, well, if it's a surprise to me, then it, hopefully it'll be a surprise to the reader. Yeah, because yeah, that is an important component of those mysteries, right? It's kind of like a whodunit towards the end. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you yeah. want to, you don't want to know who, who you, it don't, you I want it to be obvious all the way through who the who the bad guy is. So, is any of your personality in your in any of your characters the good or the bad? <laughs> Great question. Uh, you know, I think Julia is a bit like me in that she's quite determined and quite in, fiercely independent. Um, she's a little more adventurous, I would say, than I am, and perhaps a little more. more I don't know if the right word is brusque, but sort of direct. I guess she's a little more direct than I am. Yeah, but I definitely see shades of myself in her. And then I think, you know, I was interviewing someone on my own show several weeks ago, and they she said, you know, each character probably is a reflection of some part of my personality. And I think I agree with her on that. You know, I think characters are like um, aspects of ourselves and and I find it really interesting to explore their different their different characteristics uh, through 
you know, through my lens, as it were. And uh, what about the events in, in your stories? I mean, are they based on, I, mean, I know there's a historical component, but are they based in, on things that actually happened? Or where do you get your ideas when you start for your stories? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, some of them, some of the things that are that happen in the books are things that happened in, in real life, things that I've found in news stories. Uh, so there's one thing I actually... I can't talk about because it gives away uh, the plot point for a horse with no name, but I'll talk about something else. So this small town called Vernon on the on the Okanagan Lake um, in British Columbia, for, there was a fellow who ran a, a little ship that would take people down the lake in the good weather before the lake froze over. And it was one of the best ways to move through that part of the world. And in those days, and I this was actually something that I learned, it was much easier to move by water than it was by land and so the easiest way for people to get places was up and down lakes and rivers and that kind of thing so for years for a few years this old fellow had a rowboat if you can believe it and it would take him three days and he could only take one passenger at a time because this lake is really long and uh, he would take them down from from the place where my books are set to another town um called Kelowna and then later he was able to get a little uh, steam engine and I was able to see the steam engine they still have it in the museum in the town in Vernon and so that fellow has become quite a big part of the books Um, in my books he's quite a character he's sort of the town drunk and he has to get dried out um, in order to take his passengers up and down the lake Uh, but he's a good guy at heart he just likes his drink a little too much so Things like that do come from, you know, real life events that I've read about or circumstances and then or people. And then I, you know, embellish them, make them my own. Hmm. Right, that's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think you'd want the, the, the town drunk of uh, boating around. Uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In a river. <laughs> yeah. Um, so now when you start, um, what's your, what's your uh, process when you're writing? Do you like, um, do you like write in a specific place all the time, like in a home office or do you go to the coffee shop? What's your preference when you're in the zone? Yeah, I definitely cannot write in public places at all. And I know lots of writers do that uh, and even wear headphones like you're wearing. So they're sort of noise canceling. Mm. Um, But I can't do that. So I'm always at home. And for years, I would sit on my couch with my laptop and that's where I would write. And um, I lived in an apartment building and sometimes there could be a bit of noise outside, either in the summer from the street or from the hallways occasionally. So I would sometimes wear earbuds with um, like the sounds of waves or thunderstorms or that kind of thing just to block that out. But now I've switched to dictation. So I have the Dragon Dictation software and I wear a set of headsets with a microphone and I, I, I tend to stand up when I do that and I pace around. Hmm. So the headset is plugged into my laptop and it's recording my voice and then transcribing what I'm saying and uh, yeah I just tend to walk around uh, the cord's not that long but it's a little long enough for me to go for a little walk and and that's how I re- write the first draft of my books now oh well that's cool yeah you can't do that in a coffee shop <laughs> <laughs> no that's right yeah <laughs> well how how was the process because I, I know I have a couple of friends who have tried it and um, they found that challenging uh, what do they call that training the dragon <laughs> yep training your dragon yeah how was the how, how was that adjustment for you when you first started to use that yeah, I've heard, you know, I've heard people complain about uh, that what you have to do, you have to say the punctuation. 
So if you're saying if you're saying a sentence, Bob walked down the street. Period. You have to say it like that. And when you're uh, doing uh, dialogue, you have to say open quotation. Bob said, "I'm going to the store." Period. Close quotation. You know, and all that kind of stuff. And that I think is what throws people out of their creative flow. But what I found. Found, and that's where people meet resistance and they have trouble with it. But what I found is that just like with typing, I mean, I don't know if you took typing in grade 10 like I did, you know, it's really awkward at the beginning and you have to look at the keyboard and you make tons of mistakes and it, it just feels like you're driving on square wheels. And I, so I, when I when I was feeling that way, I just really kept going essentially. And knew that my brain would build new neural pathways essentially and eventually just like now when you're typing and you type a period and then a space at the end of the sentence we don't think about that anymore when we do it it just happens automatically so it's almost the same with dragon is that now i can say the periods insert the punctuation and the quotation marks and it it doesn't interrupt the flow of the story that i'm telling and the cool thing is that it's increased my first draft word count I used to be able to do about 1,200 words an hour typing, mm-hmm. and now I do a three or four times that on a in a good hour. Wow. So you know, 4,000 words an hour. So it, and my philosophy is that you just get the first draft out as quickly as you possibly can, because you then you've got all the time in the world to go back and fix it and change it, and that's where the the book begins to emerge is in the revision. But if you don't have anything in the first place, you know you can't, as the saying goes, you can't fix a blank page. Mm-hmm. So my aim is just to get the first draft out as quickly as I possibly can, and dictation really facilitates that. I like that saying. I haven't heard that before. You can't fix a blank page. You have to write that down. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I think Nora Roberts said that. She's oh. a romance author. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, so you, so you try to get through the 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 first draft out there, so you don't go back and and self edit. You wait till afterwards. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And so I think too. I think when people have troubles with Dragon, uh, and I know it's not as good on a Mac as it is on a PC. I think the other problem they often run into is that they're editing at the same time as they're writing. So they're watching the screen, and when there's an error, they say to Dragon, go back, which you can do, and change that word to this word, you know, delete, blah, blah. And I don't do any of that. I just I just turn it on and go. And it, at, when it's finished, um, it's a bit of a mess, but so is so it is when I type. Mm-hmm. So you just I just have to spend a little bit of time tidying up and it's it's really not that big a deal. And I find that if I, I just can't edit at the same time as I write because it it breaks up, it just ruins the flow of the story. So I just deal with the mess um, once it's out on the page. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the same way with, with, I don't dictate, but uh, I, I just write it and then I'm, I don't go back till I'm done. And then, yeah, it's messy and can be frustrating, but <laughs> yeah. that's, that's, yeah. part, that's part of the process. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And it's a much bigger job to do that revision, I find, than it is to do the actual first draft. Mm-hmm. Like it takes much longer for me to revise the book than it does to write write yeah. it the first time yeah 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 i wish it would come out nice and clean but maybe with more practice <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so um and so what's your uh, what's your writing day like do you do you write every day do you try or or uh, do you have a specific goal in mind like you said you know x amount of words per day 
Yeah, when I'm doing the first draft, um, well, I always do my creative stuff first thing in the morning. So I have a little morning routine, you know, shower, breakfast. Uh, I journal every day and I meditate. So that little stuff, all that stuff takes about an hour and a half. And then, or two hours sometimes, and then I always have my creative time immediately after that, whether it's writing or revising. And um, yeah, I do, when I'm in first draft mode, I have a word count goal. So 5,000 words. And um, like I said, the first hour is usually quite productive. You know, I can do three and a half, four. And then after that, it becomes, a. you know, I start to slow down. It gets harder because your brain gets tired. Um, so it might take me an hour and a half or two hours to, to reach that word count. Hmm. And then when you're, uh, when you're revising mode, do you just, do you just focus on that one manuscript till you're done then, and then move on to the next yep. project? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. If I try to, at that point to switch to something else, I get completely confused and I've got characters that are appearing that aren't in that book. They're in a different book. So yeah, I can't do it that way. <laughs> I also wanted to ask about, uh, about your memoir because uh, I've, I haven't talked to anybody that's written a memoir and oh, okay. um, just curious, it must be very difficult. I mean, something so personal, um, how, how did that all come about? I mean, it's a fascinating, I'm, I'm reading your, the, the blurb or whatever on the description and wow, you've been through a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, you know, writing the book was a fantastic process and I didn't write it until, didn't start writing it until I'd been out of the cult for uh, eight years. So this was a, a meditation cult in Vancouver, British Columbia, and I left in 2000 and then spent the next eight years doing lots of therapy, lots of healing work, um, figuring out what had happened. Because when you're in a cult, you don't call it that. Nobody who's in a cult thinks it's a cult. Um, when you're in a cult, you think it's the answer to the world's problems and you think it's something good and, and a force for good and all that kind of thing. So Eventually, yeah, in 2008, I just got the idea that I wanted to write the book to help other people because when I was doing my own healing work and therapy and all that kind of stuff, I wanted to read someone's personal story about what had happened to them and how it had happened and for them to sort of explain to me what the what the path looked like, both for getting into the cult and then for getting out. And I, I never could find that book. There's more nowadays uh, than there were back then. So essentially, I wrote the book that I wanted to read. And it was a fantastic process. It was really vulnerable, yeah. And um, it's a weird feeling to have your dirty laundry out there in the world, or some of it anyway. <laughs> and... Uh, and, but it's it was a really great experience, and um, the nice sort of gratifying thing is it's helped. It's actually helped people. You know, I get emails from people semi regularly saying, "Thank you very much. You know, you helped me to understand maybe what my spouse is going through, or my child, or what I went through personally." So that's been a great experience. Yeah, that's gotta be. Yeah, I mean, one thing is touching people on a, on fiction, but when you're actually touching someone's life like that, that's gotta be really uh, rewarding. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's been a, it's been a great experience. Yeah. So, um, so uh, with back to your uh, fiction stuff, what are you working on now? Are you uh, what uh, series are you working on? Yeah, so I'm working on The Town Called Horse, the third book in the series. Well, I guess it's the second, really, after the... Um, it's called Horse of a Different Color. No, The Horse You Rode In On. <laughs> Sorry. And the interesting thing is, um, I, the first draft is completely finished, and I got all the way through it, and... 
there's something wrong. And so I've been mulling that over and realizing I actually need to go back and change quite a bit of it because it just, and this is a feeling you can't really explain. It's just somewhere in my gut um, that things weren't working. So yeah, I'm going to go back and do quite a bit of revision on that before I release it. I was hoping it would be out by now, but it's going to be a few more months. Hmm. I like your covers too. Do you do those yourself or do you have a, a pro do them? No, I have a pro do them. Yeah. Her name is Carrie Newtson and her website is Alchemy Book Covers, I think. And she's amazing. She mostly does cozy mystery novels, but this one, because these ones, because they're historical, they have a bit of an edge. And she, yeah, I think she's done an amazing job. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah. Because usually the, the cozy mysteries are like, um, they're, they're a little more like, um, I don't want to say cartoonish, but they're more li- illustrated. But I see because yes. this is the historical component, there's, there's a little bit more edge to them. Yeah. Oh, okay. A, a lot of right. stuff goes into putting these books to uh, putting these books out, aren't, aren't they? <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the reader has to kind of get a, an instant understanding of what it is they're getting. Like you, you had a blog post on your website about one of your covers and mm-hmm. how um, it could have been misinterpreted that it was more like a romantic suspense. And so you added an element so that people knew right away that's a thriller. There's no question at all. And I thought that was so smart. And so, yeah, when, a, when an author's working with a cover designer, you have to be really clear about your genre and the look that you're going for right yeah especially when, when, we're, when we're starting out too you know um, we only have seconds to catch someone's attention as they're perusing Amazon or whatever or Kobo or yep. whatever, wherever um, are you exclusive with Amazon or are you wide no I'm wide oh you yeah. wide okay yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. okay and I'm um, curious do you, do you still find time to read or, or and if you, <laughs> if you do are you still reading mysteries <laughs> Yes, uh, yes, and yes. Uh, Yeah, I still read mysteries. I just, this week, actually, one of my favorite authors released a new book. His name is Keith McCafferty, and he writes mysteries set in Montana. And it's always so, such a thrill to get a favorite author's new book. And yeah, mostly mysteries, but also now stuff about. running an author business mm-hmm. oh i read a lot of books about that <laughs> <laughs> yes we need that don't we we're, we're yes. doing it all ourselves <laughs> that's right yeah exactly yeah. and so are you pretty active then in social media you can facebook and twitter and all those all those spots yeah all those regular places um mostly around my podcast i would i would say and then well on twitter i'm at art connects us and i do tweet about lots of mystery novel stuff so reviews and information and all that kind of thing um about just about the world of mysteries all across the genre so what got you your idea to start a podcast have you had have you done a podcast before I had, you know, I had taken a couple of stabs at it. So I did one, a short-lived one, uh, talking to kids, other kids' authors, and then that wasn't quite right, so I gave that up. And then um, I think I was going to have one, too, around cult recovery, um, but never that one never really got off the ground. And so it had been kind of on my mind for a while, and then I just, I'm a very introverted person. I don't like networking and that kind of thing in person like I'm not someone who would go to a writer's conference or a mystery conference or anything like that Um, but I thought a podcast would be a great way to meet other authors and connect and it really has been I'm sure you find the same thing yeah it's been great yeah it's a good good way especially between releases to kind of still stay have your pulse in the uh, in the genre by interviewing other people you learn so much too <laughs> yes yeah exactly yeah and just yeah i feel like now now i have a community of people like you and and other writers it's amazing mm-hmm. that is one beautiful thing about this uh obviously 
they're so supportive, even like within the thriller genre. I'm sure you find this, you know, people want to help. They want to, you know, let uh, their their subscribers and their mailing list or whatever know about you or about your books coming out. So it's kind of nice how they everyone helps each other out, even though we're really we're competitors. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I love that about people. It's, it's been a really great experience and yeah, I find everyone to be so supportive and helpful. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And okay. So, well, I'm not going to take too much more of your time here, but, uh, what, uh, anything else you would like to let our listeners know, uh, uh just kind of open up the mic to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, Alan. So, well, I would say that if uh, your listeners, obviously they like uh, mystery and thriller novels, so they can come over to itsamysterypodcast.com as well, uh, where I interview um, mystery authors, just like you do. And my episodes are posted every Monday. And then they can find me and my books at alexandraamore.com, and Amore is A-M-O-R. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. I'm on Twitter at Arts Con- Art Connects Us. And, uh, yeah, happy to hear from anyone who's listening. And, obviously, I'll have uh, links to that on the website if people want to navigate to that. But that's pretty easy to find. So <laughs> Yes, yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much uh, for being on the show. And uh, uh, it was nice talking to you again. Nice talking to you, too, Alan. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Meet the Thriller Author. I'd like to ask you to please review and rate this uh, podcast over on iTunes. It really helps me get the word out. If you take a few seconds of your time to uh, do that, it would be much appreciated. You can also visit my website at thrillingreads.com forward slash podcast for show notes on this episode, as well as information about the uh, podcast in general. And you can also sign up for my mailing list there. You'll be getting uh, special offers from our guests as well as information uh, behind the scenes information on the podcast and uh, please do visit my author website at alanpeterson.com i appreciate your support and so until next episode i will talk to you then